Hello, hello. I hope everybody's uh, doing good. Um, so as I was preparing this message, you know, a lot of things come to mind, right? Um, for those of you who don't know me and Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim is our lead pastor. Right now we're on a journey. We want to be disciples of Jesus. We're really on a journey trying to figure out what, how does that even look like? in the 21st century. We read in the Bible about disciples living with Jesus, following Jesus around. But how would that look like in today's age? So that's what we've been going on a journey. And uh, something that comes to mind when I hear the word disciple is sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice. So that's what this message, message is going to be about. It's going to be about the sacrifice that we need to take if we want to follow Jesus. So let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, I just want to thank you for bringing us together. Lord, I'm, I'm praying that, that you use me. I'm unworthy, Lord, to be able to speak life to speak your word, to preach your word. But you've called me, Lord, for this purpose. And I'm praying, Lord, and I'm asking you to use me. In the name of Jesus, amen. So normally we put texts on the screens, but I was like, you know what? We need to, let's use our cell phones, right? <laughs> like, let's use technology for, for good, for something useful. So if you don't have a physical Bible, we all have cell phones. If you don't have, you know, the app, the Bible app, then I'm going to give you a few seconds, a few minutes to go ahead, look up on the App Store Bible. You can download it uh, so you can follow along. So I'll give you a few minutes to do that. But in the meantime, um, I want to take you back to when I was around 9 or 10 years old. Okay, this is a while back. This is early 2000s. Some of you weren't even born, right? <laughs> Early 2000s, I was a huge boxing fan. I was 10, 11, 12 years old. And my family, for those of you who are Mexican here, know that we have big families, right? When we have, when we get together, when we have carne asadas, barbecues, parties, you know that 20, 30 plus people are always going to show up. So I remember uh, back when I was around that age, uh, we would get together uh, Saturday nights to watch boxing, boxing matches, boxing fights. And we would just get together at my, at my grandfather's house, and I remember, you know, uh, seeing cousins and aunts and uncles, and we would just get together and watch the fight. We were huge boxing fans. And um, I just remember at that time, I think as kids, we don't really understand what it means. Or when we watch, for example, a, a sport or something, we don't really know the ins and outs of it. You know what I mean? We see somebody lose, we see somebody win, but that's it. So as, as, I, as I was a little kid, I remember just watching, you know, I remember, uh, for those of you who are boxing fans, Oscar de la Hoya, uh, Oscar de la Hoya, uh, I remember when he fought uh, this guy named Fernando Vargas, and I remember that night, like, so clear. We were all together as a family, and I remember when uh, Oscar de la Hoya, he knocked out Fernando Vargas in the 11th round, 
And, <laughs> you know, our family was usually divided with, with boxers. So some of them would cheer and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Others were kind of down. But as I saw that as a, a, a 10, 11-year-old, as I saw these boxers become champions, I didn't quite understand the behind the scenes of what it took for them to get to that point. All we see as kids is, yeah, man, they, they won. They're champions. They knocked, them, they knocked that person out. That's it. So as, as, I, you know, as I was getting older, I turned 17 years old, and uh, I remember I was in a community college, and I took a boxing class in community college in California. And uh, that was probably my, my hardest semester, like physically. It was super hard. Uh, I remember three, yeah, it was three times per week where we had class and we would train. And the final test of that class was that we had to box a, a classmate. So the whole semester for four months, we would prepare, right? Like this is like boxing, boxing. And uh, man, that was, <laughs> that was so hard. Like that's nothing compared to what professional boxers go through. But in that semester, I was 17 years old, and I was like, yo, man, <laughs> these boxers, it takes a lot of dedication. It's not that they just go through the emotions and they're, they're, you see them, you know, ripped and buff and fast. And they go to the, 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 fight, uh, the fight night on Saturday. It's not that simple. It takes dedication. It takes sacrifice. So now talking about that, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. So if you have your physical, I have this, my physical Bible here. Let's go to Luke. Luke is the third book from the New Testament. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. So let's read it here. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So somebody, so just picture this. Jesus was walking. He always had people following him. And this random person just came up to him. He was like, Jesus, yo, I'm ready to go, man. I'm willing to go with you wherever you go. He was determined. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Have you guys ever read that? And have you guys ever asked, like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, what did Jesus, like, that sounds kind of weird, you know? Like, this guy, he, he's telling Jesus, Jesus, I want to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus gave him that answer, like, it's kind of weird, right? It's kind of weird. What do you guys think? Why did Jesus give him that answer? In other words, Jesus is saying the birds have a nest, they have a home, right? But I, Jesus, I'm homeless. I don't have a home. So why did Jesus say that? And this is, this is really interesting because, like, the more you dive into the word and the meanings behind the words, not just read the Bible, but, like, actually, like, what did Jesus really mean? Why did he respond that way? 
And it's interesting because what I got out of it is that a lot of times we jump into something without even comprehending the sacrifice that it's going to take. Have you ever done that? Maybe you've started a new project. Maybe you, you, you're saying, you know what, I'm going to start a new business. Or I'm going to go to uh, college. I'm going to do my master's. I'm going to do my, my whatever. But do we truly understand what it means to accomplish those things? I mean, me personally, I've, <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of things where it's always just been about emotions, and I've done it. And I've said, I'm ready. I'm ready to do it. Whether that was, uh, you know, in the past, get into relationships or whatever it was, like, we tend to not really comprehend and not really think the bigger picture. And um, when time passes, we get hit in the face, we get punched in the mouth, and we give up. We're like, man, this is too hard. I can't do this. So here Jesus is telling this guy that, that told him, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus responds, you, you want to follow me? Okay. You're not going to have a home. You're not going to have a home to go back to. You're going to have to sacrifice the comfort of your home. You're going to have to sacrifice time with family. Do you still want to follow me? That's what Jesus was telling this, this person. Do you still want to follow me? I mean, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see the perfect example of sacrificing everything, right? Jesus left his heavenly throne. He left the comfort of heaven to come down to this earth full of sin and to suffer and to die for us. And I always ask the question, like, how was he able to, to, because Jesus is God. Jesus understood that he was going to go through struggles, through pain, through suffering. So how was he able to go through all that? In my opinion, it was the bigger picture. It was the bigger picture. He had a mission. He had a purpose. He was driven to what? To save humanity. To save us. That was, that, that, that's what dr drove him to continue, even through those struggles and through the pains. He sacrificed so much. He sacrificed his own life. But he was constantly reminding himself, why? What was my mission? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Even, even though maybe he even wanted to give up. Do you remember uh, in uh, Gethsemane when he, would, he wanted to give up? There was so much happening at that moment. He started bleeding, sweat. Like there was so much like in his mind. He wanted to give up, but he remembered it's worth it. It's worth it. He knew the struggle. He knew that he was going to go through that. He knew that he was going to suffer. 
he knew that he was going to get punched in the mouth. And it's interesting because even prior to him starting his earthly ministry, he started preparing. He, st- he started preparing for that very moment. Ever since he was a little kid, he started preparing to suffer on the cross. Why? Because he looked at the bigger picture. And it, like, like I mean, pers- I mean, we're all young here, right? Hey, listen, like, <laughs> you know, they say 40 is a new 20 or whatever, right? Like, our, our, in this day, we're all young, right? Technology just made, her, made us younger. Like, to be honest, like, a 40-year-old now in this day is just mentally younger than a 40-year-old in the 90s. That's just how it is. It's technology. So we're still young. We're still young. And uh, a lot of us, we are still going, we're still trying to figure out what do we want to do in life, right? What is our dream? I'm 29. I'm almost 30. I'm still trying to figure out, like, what is my dream? What do I want to do in 10 years? Maybe some of you have the same mentality. What, what is our dream? What do we want to do? And it's okay. Like, and maybe it's just be- it's our culture now, but it's just it's okay, I think, to not know, to not have everything planned out. You know what I mean? Like, I feel back then, like, for my brother, example, he's not that older than me. He's, like, five years, like, no, three or four years older than me. But I feel even in his generation, like, the kids, they were just more mature. And they had everything figured out at 20, 25. But now I'm like, man, I see these young people, and I'm talking about myself. Like, I graduated when I was 27. I got my bachelor's degree when I was 27 years old. (laughs) <laughs> and people, people say, oh, yeah, like, that's too late. Like, how come you didn't start at 18? <laughs> I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. God knows exactly when we're ready. So what I'm trying to say is, like, don't think that you have to have everything figured out. Maybe you just graduated from high school and you're entering into college. And you have no idea what you want to study. You have no idea where you're going to be in five years. That's okay. Maybe you graduated college and you're in a position right now where you're in a crappy job. And you're like, man, I didn't study for this. Why am I here? It's okay. Or maybe you're not sure of the future. You're uncertain of what's going to happen to you and your family two, three, four, five years later. It's okay. But one thing that's not okay, the one thing that's not okay is going through life and expecting everything, things to just fall on our lap. You know what I mean? Like, if I have a dream to build a house for my family in the future, 
what am I doing today to accomplish that? Or not even that. Like, let's say we don't even know what we want to do. But what am I doing to put myself in positions where 10 years from now, I'll be able to do whatever I want to do? Whether that's personal development. Hey, listen, man, like, I mean, I'm not even, like, qualified to, like, talk about, like, health and stuff like that. Like, I'm not the healthiest person. Uh, like, I've been trying for years and years just trying to live a healthy lifestyle. And I'm still trying. <laughs> like, 10 years ago, like, I, I was trying, I was trying, and I'm still trying. Like, I'm not giving up because I know that one day, one day I'll be able to to live that, that, the, the, the healthy lifestyle that I want to live. And I'm making mistakes, and I, I'm going through the motions and all that, but I have this vision. I have this vision. So when we look back to the life of Jesus, he had that vision. He had that vision. He knew that he was going to struggle, but he didn't quit. He didn't quit. He kept on going. And, um, now, you know, right now I'm just, I'm learning to kind of view my life, like, as a journey and not a destination. Like, I'm not setting an a, a end point to my life. Like, this is ongoing. Our lives it's a continue, it's, it just continues until the day we die. This life is a journey. And it, it doesn't matter really like if you're 30, 40, 50 years old and you have a nice house or you're planning to buy a nice house or maybe you've got a little money saved up. That's nice, right? That's nice to plan and have all these material stuff. But what will you do when something unexpected happens? Something that you can't control. What will you do then? Who will you go to? So here Jesus is making it clear to this guy. We must not only focus on the easy and exciting things of life. He was excited to follow Jesus because he was just looking at the good things that would come out of being a disciple of Jesus. But Jesus took a step back. He was like, no. If you're going to follow me, it takes sacrifice. Jesus was our Savior. He's the King. He's the creator of the world. And he was homeless. <laughs> he didn't have a home. He would travel and preach and, and be with people, heal with people, but he didn't have a home. Think about that. Like, man, like when I think about that, I'm like, All right, man, that's crazy. The creator of the world didn't have a home because he was too busy accomplishing his mission. So Jesus was making it clear to this guy, man, it takes sacrifice. I want you to look at the struggles, the hardships. And I think if we do that now, 
whatever your context is, whatever you want to accomplish in life, whether that's to start your own business, to build up your own personal brand, to uh, maybe do a business in the future, uh, maybe open up your own restaurant, whatever it is, whatever you want to accomplish in life, just know that you're going to struggle. That's what I get out of this. And when I think that way, as a follower of Jesus, as a Christian, because listen, people give their lives to Jesus, they get baptized, and nobody tells them that it's going to be hard. Right? Like, who's preaching about the hardships of the gospel? Who's doing that? Who's telling somebody who wants to give their life to Jesus, hey, yo, you're going to go through hard times. You're going to struggle. You're going to want to give up. Not a lot of people do that. So here Jesus is telling this guy, man, you're going to struggle. You're going to have to sacrifice a lot. And the Bible doesn't really tell us, like, if the guy ended up following him or not. Right? We can just... Assume he did or he didn't. Maybe he got scared and he ran away. Um, But it's interesting as we continue to read here in Luke. Notice how Jesus tells these other men to follow him. And they they come up with an excuse to go home as well. Right? So Jesus started the conversation talking about a home. And the two men, Jesus told two men, and we're going to read now, follow me. And it had something to do with home. So let's continue reading. Luke chapter 9, verse 59 It says, to another he said, follow me. But he said, the guy responded to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Have you guys ever heard that verse? What, what do you think it, that means? It's okay, you can respond. What do you think it means? Why did Jesus say that to that person? What do you guys think? So after doing some research, there's three possibilities, okay? There's three interpretations. Um, the first one is that, obviously, what naturally comes to mind, this person He's saying that he literally needs to leave and bury his dead father before, you know, he follows Jesus. I think that's, you know, naturally when we read the the text, that's what comes to mind, right? The second one, another interpretation, comes from a Jewish tradition where when somebody dies in the family, the son would go and bury the father and they would wait up to one year, and after that year, they would go back to the, the tomb, and they would g- gather the bones, and they would put it into another tomb. And in that specific tomb would be all the bones of the, all the families, you know, of the family members that died. So that's another, that could be another possible interpretation. So he was telling Jesus, you know what, wait, Jesus, wait, please. I need to wait six more months. I need to wait one more year so I can go back to the tomb, gather the bones of my father, And then I'll follow you. And the last interpretation, which I think makes more sense, is this one. His father 
wasn't dead. Um, this interpre- interpretation says that this man's father is not dead, but he is an elderly. He's an older man. So when he tells Jesus, he tells him that he needs to take care of his father until he passes away, gather his inheritance, get all the money, all everything, and then, yeah, I'm ready, Jesus. I got money, I got this, I got that, and then now I can go follow you. Now, you know, this is, it can be a debate, whatever, um, whatever interpretation you, you choose, it's all good, but I think the message is clear, right? The message is clear. Jesus wanted this man to know that his actions weren't really connecting what he was saying. This man was saying that he wanted to follow Jesus, but I need to go do this. Yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you, but let me go take care of this first. How many times do we do the same thing? Jesus, I want to spend time with you, but no, I got a, I got a date. I got class. I got kids. I got a job. How many times do we put God in the back burner? We're all guilty of that, right? We're all guilty of that. And that's what this man was telling Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you, but first, let me do this. So what I got out of it is that our actions need to connect with what we're saying, right? If we want to be followers of Jesus, we can't say one thing and expect to do something else, right? If we truly follow Jesus and we love Jesus with all our hearts, yeah, man, we're sinners. We're going to make mistakes, but we got to own up to those mistakes. and We've got to continue to build Continue to move forward. Why do we make excuses? Why do we say we don't have time for God? We all have 24 hours <laughs> every day, right? Can we make time for God? I think we can. 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. There's always time. And this is something that I'm trying to to improve on, my time with God. So that's the second person. The last person that he says, follow me, uh, we read there in in Luke 60, chapter 9, verse 60, he says, I'm sorry, uh, 61. Yet another said, I will follow you too, he says. Lord, but let me first... (laughs) Say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So again, home, right? This is a reoccurring theme here. Jesus started the conversation with home. And to hear the last guy says, hey, Jesus, before I follow you, let me go back home and say bye to my dad. <laughs> say bye to my mom, my brothers, my sisters. And how did Jesus respond? He was like, why are you looking back? Those who look back 
don't deserve to be in my kingdom. That's what he was saying. And it's not saying that Jesus, you know, and this, this, like, this is really hard to understand because we all love our families, right? Like, we all love our families. But even our families, man, even our husbands, our wives, our boyfriends, our girlfriends, even if we're putting them above God, are we truly following Jesus? <laughs> are we spending more time with other things? Thank God. So it's hard to understand for us, but here Jesus is making it clear to these guys, man, if you really want to follow me, then you got to put me first. You got to put me first. Don't just look at the, 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 the beautiful things about, you know, about the gospel, about Christianity, about church. But I want you to truly comprehend and look at the bigger picture. We're going to suffer. We're going to go through hard times. I don't know if you guys ever think about that. But I think we need to start comprehending and understanding that to be a follower of Jesus, all this is beautiful. Here coming to Elevate, to church, this is awesome. Right? This is beautiful. Like, I can't wait to come here on Saturday to praise God, to be amongst you guys. But what happens when we leave out here? Are we struggling? Maybe some of us are going through depression. Maybe some of us are going through hard times in our relationships. Maybe we're going through hard times with school. Maybe we're scared of the future. Like, this is real. Like, we come here, yeah, everything is nice, but what's going on outside of the beauty of, of Christianity? And that's what Jesus wants these guys to understand. No turning back, he says. So as we live our lives for Jesus, I, w I just want you guys to understand, like, try to view the bigger picture of Christianity. Like, if we want to be a successful and victorious Christian in this life, number one, I think it starts by recognizing that God should take number one in our lives above everything. Think of one thing right now that you, you're like, yeah, maybe that is taking too much time. Maybe this one thing is taking the time away from me spending with God. We all have something. So I think, number one, we need to recognize that. And we also need to understand the bigger picture of being his disciple. So ask yourself, am I 100%, am I 100% ready to make that commitment today? Am I 100% ready to make that commitment today? Some of us may be like, you know what? I may be 99.9% .9 sure. That's not good enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not good enough. 99.9% .9 sure is not good enough for Jesus. You can appear good to everybody else here. But 99.9% .9 sure is not going to cut it for God. God wants your 100%. And right now, you, you may be 99.9% .9 sure, and that's okay. That's okay. 
So now is the time, the perfect time to work. Work to get to that 100. 100%, man, that's, it's hard. It's hard. And if you're already at that 100%, then what's next, right? Like, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm 100% sure. Or maybe you were, and this is, this is, this happens. We were 100%. Maybe back when we got baptized. Maybe back when we gave our lives to Jesus. But over the years, we've kind of been coming down. Maybe right now we're at 90%, 95%. Maybe some of us are at 80%, and we're kind of struggling to, to reignite that fire that we once had. I know how that feels like. And if you're in that place right now, like we need to take action. We need to do something. We can't just sit back and relax and expect other people to, to give us that spiritual food. Yeah, you guys come here, you guys listen to, to Pastor Jim, to myself, preach or whatever, but that's not enough. Take action, do something to put yourself in that 100%. So what steps could you be taking to follow Jesus? Are you spending quality time with God? Now, I'm not just talking about reading your matutina, reading your devotional. I'm talking about real quality time with God. Are you spending time in his word? Reading his word, reading the Bible. Are you trying to understand what Jesus meant when he said this and that? And are you surrounding yourself with people who don't follow Jesus? And this last thing is, is really what I, I want you guys to kind of comprehend because, like, I've always been told ever since I, I stepped into the church, hey, you know what? When you come to, to Jesus, when you give your life to God, you're going to lose friends. Have you guys heard that? Has, have you guys heard that? You're going to lose friends because you follow Jesus. And I did. Because for some reason, I, I, I pictured myself above here. And my friends that didn't know Jesus down here. But now that, I, that I'm studying more and that I'm, I'm realizing, like, man, like, we're all sinners. We all need Jesus. What makes us different just because we come here to church makes us better than people who maybe have never accepted Jesus or have never stepped into a church. Like, why, why do we have this idea of, like, we need to separate ourselves from these people? It doesn't make sense, man. So taking the steps to get to the 100% if you're not there. Are you surrounding yourself with people who don't know Jesus? Take action. Take action. And don't look back. Don't look back. And, and to close, I just want to take you back. It's okay. <laughs> I just want to take you back to, like, a time where this was in 2014 in December and in January 
around that time, this was my third year of theology, right? So obviously I'm a pastor. I studied to, to be a pastor, so that's what theology is. And I studied in Puerto Rico. And I remember that semester, it was uh, December, and my third year. So I was half done with my third year. And that December, I went back home to California. And um, at that time, my dad, he had a thrift store. Right, man, my dad's, my dad's story is, is incredible, man. Like, I mean, like, I, I admire people who come from other countries. I admire so much immigrants who come from other countries, and they sacrifice so much. You know what I mean? Like, they sacrifice so much. They sacrifice, a lot of them sacrifice time with their family. A lot of them come here to the United States to live a better life, not just for them, but for their family. And they come here and they work 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 and they continue to work. They sacrifice everything for their family. And that's what my dad did. He came when he was 16 years old and he worked, he worked, he worked, he worked at, in different places until he was in the position to have his own business. And some of you can relate to this. He, finally, he was in a position to have his own business, and he opened up a thrift store, Una Segunda, where he would sell, he would sell clothes, furniture, everything you can think of. And that, that December, I went back home, and I didn't go back. I was like, you know what? Man, I, I think my dad needs help here. Like, you know, he only had like one or two workers, and I was like, man, he really, he really needs help. He needs my help. So I decided to stay in California and to help him. And I kind of just set aside the calling that God had for my life. And it's crazy because I was there for a year and a half. And at one point, I was like, nah, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to go back. I don't know if I'm going to finish theology and be a pastor all these things started to come to my mind and uh, at that time I really got into like the reselling business I don't know if you guys are familiar if you guys ever done that so I would sell stuff on eBay on Amazon I mean I didn't get rich I wish I would have gotten rich but I made some money like I made something right and it, it like that feeling was good like it was a good feeling. I would go to thrift stores and garage sales, and I would find board games for like $5, and I would sell them on Amazon for like $90, and I would make a, a good, I would make some good money. Plus, I was working with my dad, so he would pay me. Like, things were going fine. Like, I was okay. I was good. Like, I, could, I couldn't complain. But, man, that voice kept on telling me, man you gotta go back you gotta go back and finish what you started don't give up man you gotta go I was in my third year man now just thinking back I'm like oh my god if I would have never finished I would have like man three years like down the I don't know man but God I knew it was God telling me you need to go back you're fine here. You're doing good here. But this is not your calling. This is not what I want for you. 
So after struggling for some time, I was like, you know what, okay. God, maybe you're right. Maybe I do need to go back. Maybe I, I do need to go back and finish theology. And man, God, he always opens the doors for us. Even when we deny him and we tell him, I don't want to follow you. Maybe I didn't express to him audibly and tell him, God, I don't want to follow you. I still believe in God. I still went to church. I still helped out over there. But in a way, I was telling God, you know what? Nah, man, you're calling. I'm going to reject your calling. Maybe right now, today, God is calling you for something. Maybe he wants you to get back to that 100%. Maybe you're hovering. For those of you who are watching on Facebook, maybe somebody right now is struggling to get back to that 100%, to give your entire life to Jesus, and you're still thinking about it, and you're still debating whether or not you should do it or not. I just want to let you know that being part of the 100% is going to be the best decision of your life. And it was for me. It was for me. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. You may be struggling right now with something, financial situations, but you're here because of God. So I really just want you to understand that whatever your journey is, whatever your, your, your whole context in life is, the best place to be is in the hands of Jesus. The best place you can be. And I can say it personally because that's my life. Like, that's my whole life. When I was away from God, I wasn't 100% happy. I wasn't. And for those of you who can relate to that, you guys know that. 100% happy because we're always looking for something. We always have something in our hearts that's empty. That's God. That's God. So I just want to close with a prayer. And I, I just this is between you and God. I want you to open your heart to God. We're going to have a little minute of, of silence. And in that minute of silence, I want you to open your heart to God. And I want you to tell him, Lord, I want to be part of the 100%. I want to follow you if that's your desire. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, <laughs> God, forgive me. Um, <laughs> these people have to see my tears, Lord. is what you do to me, God. You bring me to tears, Lord. I'm unashamed, Lord. I'm unashamed to cry. Because these tears, Lord, you know tears of, of joy and of recognizing that without you, Lord, I'm nothing. God, if there's somebody here, whether in person or watching us through live, through Facebook, that's struggling to give their lives to you. Just pray, Lord, that you speak to their hearts. That you remind them, Lord, every day that that giving their lives to you will be the best decision. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me that. Even when times that I want to give up, When things get hard, when I struggle with something, when I feel like there's no way out, you always bring me out, Lord. Thank you so much. I love you, God, with all my heart. We love you. Thank you for being here with us today. Thank you, God, for everything. In the name of Jesus.